0: what's up everybody welcome back to through the smoke a miami hurricanes podcast here on the 24 7 sports network i'm andrew ivins that's david lake we are here to break down uh the early signing period for miami hurricanes announced 18 signees on wednesday Um, as of this recording which is early thursday afternoon they still hold the nation's number 18 ranked recruiting class according to the 24 seven sports composite team rankings. So they shuffled. What is that? Two or three spots back in the rankings. Uh, um, yeah. they started it off. So we'll get into all that here on, on this episode of the podcast, kind of just going to free flow, talk about how things went, what's next. Um, what Manny Diaz said on Wednesday, what some of the assistant coaches said on Wednesday, uh, and we'll kind of go from there. So David, how are you doing?
1: Doing well. Um, you know, I was kind of manning the website during the day while you and Chris were out. Uh, you know, working boots on the ground at the various spots. So I was just flipping, guys. As soon as those NLIs were announced, I was just flipping those articles on the website and trying to follow along with what was going on with Jaden Francois. So maybe we should start there with. You know, the info maybe you've gathered on on what happened with Jaden and his delayed announcement. It, it, it was what? Delayed, I think, like an hour, honestly. Um, he got on the phone with someone. He obviously became emotional. Uh, and he had to talk about some things in the hallway of the gymnasium um, with his family after he took a phone call. So obviously, Jaden ended up committing to Nebraska. uh, But maybe what have you learned, you know, 24 hours after all this transpired? What have you learned from Miami's perspective? what, What happened there?
0: It was crazy. That was really the kind of the biggest signing day moment Miami's had in, I don't know, since I've been on the beat three years, really. I mean, I know We've had some guys announce and stuff like that, but for a kid to back off the table and then talk on the phone, it it was just a lot. And Here's what I know. I, I think I wrote on the site uh, Tuesday night before the early signing period. I thought it was Nebraska. I was pretty confident that Jaden was a silent commit to Nebraska. Uh, I thought Miami did good on the official visit, but it wasn't going to be enough to change Jaden's mind. I felt really good about it when I woke up in the morning and then about 30 minutes before um, Jaden's planned announcement time, I, I get a call from, from someone and they're telling me that Miami is expecting to receive a national letter of intent from Jaden Francois. Jaden had told Manny Diaz on Tuesday that he was coming. He had told DJ Ivy, the what is he? A sophomore cornerback at Miami who also came out yes. of South Dade. He, he said, he said, he had told Ivy that he was coming and I just kind of was like, all right, this is going to get interesting. And I had I, I heard enough so that I kind of flipped my forecast back over to Miami. And then this all plays out where Jaden goes up to the table to make an announcement and he doesn't make an announcement. And there's about a, him outside crying and whatnot. I, I'm keeping track of all this. Meanwhile, up in Hialeah, because I'm at Jalen Harrell's announcement, the four-star safety at a Champagnat Catholic, and there was some drama there as well. Georgia Tech made a late push, so I'm following along. Um, Short story, er, or to to get to the point, Jaden ends up picking Nebraska, and from what I've gathered, I don't think Jaden ever told Miami no, and when he finally was like, I'm making my decision, I think Miami kind of, not Miami told him this, but someone tipped him off that there was a chance the guy who was recruiting him to Nebraska, Travis Fisher might be leaving to take a job somewhere else. And I don't know if that's happened yet, or I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think that's one of the reasons why Jaden had went up there and kind of uh, got some cold feet and wasn't going to decide anymore. um, But eventually did. So that's, that's my understanding of what happened, you know, he never told Miami no. He silently committed Nebraska back in, I think it was a, m- a month ago. And then when he was about to make it, someone kind of tipped him off that maybe his primary recruiter wouldn't be in Lincoln, Nebraska anymore. And I think that's that's kind of what, what what set him off a little bit.
1: Tell me this. Do you know, and you might not know, but when Jaden did take that hour or so to, you know, assess what was going on with this Nebraska assistant that might be taking a job elsewhere. Did he reach out to Miami? Was Miami in contact with him during that time? Do you know? Yes,
0: yes, it was. And that's why I believe everything that kind of played out was legitimate and that wasn't a an act or he wasn't trying to create some drama. I, I think that was all genuine. I know so there's some theories out there that Jaden might have been trying to build up some suspense but I I don't believe that was the case
1: and then tell me this you said Jaden maybe he didn't tell Miami no but so I guess then the next question would be if he never told them yes I'm coming or made it really clear that he was coming why did Miami Why did Miami have such a bad read on the situation, I guess, is what I would say. Is that just kind of how it is dealing with Jaden Francois? Like, is he not a straightforward kind of guy? or?
0: Oh, I think it's that. Um, Okay. Yeah. I don't know. And I've said this on other podcasts and radio appearances. My big thing is the optics of this thing just don't look good. For Miami, I get losing one of the top defensive backs in South Florida to Alabama, like we did. We, we saw yeah. Pat go there, or Georgia with Tyson Campbell and, and, and uh, Tyreek Stevenson. Like those teams are in the college football playoff conversation. Those teams produce NFL dudes, but just to lose it to Nebraska and Scott Frost, a Nebraska team that went five and seven, it's just. It just doesn't look good, and I don't know why Miami was so adamant on trying to add him. I, I get it, you know, you you've built this relationship with the kid, but at some time, it's, at some point, it's like, hey, someone needs to pull him inside and be like, this isn't probably going to end well for you. Like, it's not going to look well, and I, I I know you want the talent, but maybe you guys should take a different avenue here instead of being really left at the altar once again. I mean, those are Manny's words, not mine. He he brought up the whole altar thing. Uh, back in September when he talked about these new recruiting protocols and really if, if you we want to also discuss the Romello Heights situation Miami was left at the altar twice on, on on Wednesday
1: let me go so just one more thing with Jaden so is it fair to say that Miami believed they were getting him Wednesday morning but was that ever really the case like was Cause it seemed like, like when you see the pictures after he announced, like all his families were in Nebraska gear, it seemed like everyone around him kind of expected him to announce Nebraska. Is that right? I mean, right. is that fair to say? I mean, so why, why, again, I guess it just comes back to Miami had a hard time getting a read on Jaden.
0: I just think they wanted him. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I really wish I had an answer for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's move on to Romello. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Romelo was a guy who was committed to Miami going into the, the signing day. Well,
0: he wasn't um, committed according to Manny, because once you take a visit, you're not committed. So he was a high priority on the board.
1: Well, he was on the commit list because he had it officially decommitted. And it looked like things were kind of trending towards him. Uh, flipping to Auburn or committing to Auburn, however you want to look at it, on Wednesday. Um, So, yeah, tell us what you've gathered, just what happened behind the scenes there, I guess within the last week, because a week before signing day, you know, Romello kind of tweeted, put it out there. I know he dealt a lot with you and made it clear to you on a one-on-one level that he was solid to Miami, that Miami was where he wanted to be. So I guess what happened there?
0: Well, I'm sure everyone that listens to this podcast has seen it now or or knows, or most of you do, and I can't hide it at this point. So I, I will say this story ends with Romelo Haidt just sending me a, a middle finger emoji <laughs> out of nowhere. I don't know why. Uh, that's where it ends. Uh, where it begins is really... A couple months ago, I had written in one of the stories on the site that Auburn was a team to watch for Romelo Height, and he somehow found that article and, and told me it wasn't true, so uh, I went in there and edited it, and I, I changed some things, and I was like, all right, this is what he says. Fast forward to a couple of weeks ago, after the Duke game, I did an interview with him because he was tweeting out all this pro-Miami stuff and, um, that we talked about. The infamous group chat, and he said he was solid and and, and all that. Then last week, I kind of got tipped off from Keith Newber uh, on our Auburn side on, on the 24/7 Sports Network. He told me that guz Malzahn had went in home with Romello Height, and I was like, all right, well, this is something to definitely monitor. Thursday rolls around, Manny Diaz, Blake Baker, uh Jonathan patkey Todd Stroud, and, and I'm probably missing some other coaches, but they conduct that in-home visit with Romello and Romello is over the top with his tweet. I'm a, I'm a thousand percent with you. I'm not going to take it I I don't think he said in that tweet that he wasn't going to take an official visit to Auburn, but that's what he had kind of told Keith. Well, we get to Sunday. Um, I, someone put it on our message board, uh, photos from Romello Heights, Facebook page and just so everyone knows Romello height has about three Facebook pages uh, two Twitter accounts and two Instagram accounts so this guy is all over the place and uh, it's it's like a catfish special almost and they're photos of Romello on what looks to be an official visit and I text Romello I'm like hey is is this from this weekend did you officially visit there he says no so I write a story Saying that, you know, Romello Height claims he wasn't there, but there's a reason to believe he might have, been there, might have been there. Somehow, Romello finds this story and he goes, Well, this isn't true. Why are you are you bashing me or anything like that? And I try to explain to him that I'm actually saying that he didn't visit. So he goes silent on me. While all this is going on, I absolutely know that Romello Height had taken an official visit to Auburn. Keith had saw him walk out of Auburn's facilities. Auburn's coaching staff had told him not to say anything. So I know this is this is going on. Then I, I think Miami kind of felt like they were – felt good. They remained optimistic, but they knew that the chances of him sticking probably weren't high. This is like on Monday and Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, you know, I, I texted him. I, I said, is there going to be a link to – uh, your, your signing announcement. I got nothing back from him. And then about an hour or so after he signed with the Tigers or announced he did during his ceremony uh, while I'm driving down to Coral Gables, all of a sudden I, I just get a text message for him from him, which is just the middle finger emoji. Um, so I, I don't know why he doesn't like me. I don't maybe it's because I, I blew up his spot, but I was just just doing my job and reporting and that's that's what happened.
1: Tell me this, how surprised or how off guard do you think Miami was when all this was kind of transpiring on Sunday?
0: I don't think they knew that he took an official visit there. I also don't think that Miami knew uh, when Guz Malzahn went in home on uh, Tuesday. I don't think they, they knew that.
1: Should they have known? I mean, should they have been more on top of him? Because, I mean, you and I have talked about how he is kind of right in the heart of SEC country. His town in Georgia is like a three-hour drive from Auburn. So it's kind of, you know, believable that Auburn would eventually make a strong run at him because he is a talented player. Uh, Should Miami have done more to uh, try and, I don't know recruit them harder or is this just a situation that's tough to deal with when you, uh, when you recruit sec guys,
0: I think, and this has been a big debate on our message board with our, our posters. I, I don't know what you really do. I mean, I, I guess this is kind of the deal when you do go after those talents and this is also what happens when you lose games to Duke and FIU to end the season. I mean, you got to put a product out there that kids want to play for. And Miami essentially didn't do that down the stretch. So could they have done something different? I, I don't know. I mean, they had kind of a backup plan in place with an edge rusher, and that was uh, Jalen Harrell by the other name. Not, not Jalen Harrell, the safety at Hylia, but Jalen Harrell, the edge rusher over at Tampa Berkeley Prep. But he ended up, I mean, he all along said he wasn't going to sign early. But... Committed to Michigan and then inked some paperwork on Wednesday. So I think I'm not trying to give him a pass or anything like this, but it just it just really didn't work out and it sucks. But I, I guess it's a lesson you kind of learn. And and I, I will think uh, I will say they should have known it was going to be very hard to hold on to him. Yeah. When he took his official visit in June, he right. was at Mi- Miami Knights in July, but he never made it back down after that.
1: Right. How, how big of a loss is he? Because, I mean, I think he's a very talented player. You always want as many edge rushers as possible. I think he's got, you know, a potential NFL future. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I do like the guys Miami signed at defensive end, but I still think it would have been, like, I, I would have graded that group on the edge that Miami landed as an A if they added Ramello Height. I think I ended up grading it a B. Uh, but I think Romello, if he's in this class, he could make that edge rushing group kind of special uh, yeah. with the depth and talent. Is that fair to say?
0: No, it is. And I, I think I gave it a B plus and it would have been an A plus if they added Romello height. Look, I like Oakleaf top 247 defensive end Chance Williams. I, mean, yeah. those, I, I like Charlotte Mallard, Mallard Creek defensive end Quentin Williams. Like Those are both plus athletes good testing numbers can get to the quarterback and you also got to realize what's already on the roster you got jafari harvey we don't know what cam williams is yet but we both thought he was pretty good coming out of high school so those yeah. are the two, two wins from last year and then you have greg russo um so it doesn't seem like they have an issue kind of getting edge guys it's just if, if i'm building a team give me as many guys as that as i can to get to the quarterback so it, it would have just probably been nice to have another one of them
1: Okay, so anything else like with the day? Was there any? You mentioned a little bit, but Jalen Harrell, uh, Georgia Tech, I guess, made him think a little bit for a minute, or what? What happened there?
0: Yeah, that's the storyline. A lot of people probably won't know, um, just because you know everyone was focused on the Jaden Francois thing. But I'd kind of we talked, we touched on it in the last podcast, right? I, I brought it up, yeah. I think I did, yeah. And it seemed like everything was fine. Then, then on Tuesday night. Uh, I heard that Georgia Tech was still pushing, and then that was the case on on, on Wednesday morning. Uh, I, a lot of people are wondering why, why is Georgia Tech, a, were they able to get in there? And I, I pointed out, I think a lot of kids like uh, what Collins has going there and the, and the staff they have. And I also think if you're a kid who grew up in Miami, the idea of playing in Atlanta is kind of appealing. You're still in a big city. It's not some small college town. Yeah. Um, and So I, I just think that's one of the reasons. But Miami did do a nice job of of playing some defense in the 11th hour because if he had flipped to Georgia Tech, it would have been di- pretty much a disaster. I mean, not a disaster, but it, it, wouldn't, it would have hurt a lot just because I think they kind of took Jalen Harrell knowing that maybe they weren't going to get Jaden Francois a couple months ago.
1: So overall... You know how would how would you assess the 18 guys that Miami signed? I mean, is this is this a good group? Is it great? Is it not good? How would you kind of uh, grade these 18 guys as a whole that Miami's adding?
0: So I'll say this: a lot of people want to judge the class on what happened on Wednesday, you know, the finish and everything like that, and. Right. Manny, Manny said this it's not fair and I, I do agree with him I mean I don't think that's just coach speak like everyone's judging it by based on what happens because this is the one day of the year everyone cares about recruiting but uh, that doesn't take it take everything into account all the work they've had over the past two three years to put this class together so looking through that lens of not just yesterday and the big picture I think it's a pretty solid class like this class had the potential, at one time, to be elite, um, to rival that that Storm 18, or is it Storm Eighteen, Yeah, Storm Eighteen class. Um, but when they lost games, that that kind of went out the window. That opportunity slipped away from them. So I like a lot of the key key pieces. I think someone asked me, maybe it was on like the Big O show, what well, would you grade this class? And I would say like a B, like trending towards B plus. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of guys when you look up and down this commit list that will be starters for Miami someday. Uh, and I don't know if they necessarily had that last class. And you can't stack kind of transition class after transition class. Like, you have to get a good class in there. And I think Miami did. I don't think there's a better uh, running back duo out there in the country than than Don Chaney and, and Jalen Knighton. I think Tyler Van Dyke fits a lot of what Dan Enos wants to do as a quarterback. He was, he was a pretty good get and kind of once. Once the senior season's played out for some of those other elite arms, both in state and nationally, we already touched on Chance Williams, uh, Elijah Roberts, the defensive lineman out of Miami Columbus. Like Manny said, they're going to start him off on the edge, but I think he'll eventually slide inside. Um, love the safety group, Jalen Harrell, Brian Balaam. Those are like guys that are built to play in, in Miami's defense. I like the two offensive linemen, Jalen Rivers and, and Chris Washington, but. They definitely came up short there, so I think I gave him like a like a D plus. I mean, those two I think are, are good players, Just because but has
1: a numbers right because yeah, you want to see more, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me this: so you were around the coaches, and you know, you went to Manny Diaz's press conference at four o'clock on Wednesday, and afterwards they brought in all the assistants, and you could talk to the assistants too. Do you have a sense for? Is there a guy in this class that maybe the coaching staff is super duper high on that maybe is not reflected in a high ranking? Like is do you feel like they're really high on any of these kind of three-star guys that that you know the 247 composite has ranked but maybe this coaching staff is kind of more excited about than that ranking would suggest?
0: I think it's Tyreek Austin Cave the linebacker out of new jersey and it's which is ironic because brian doan um the national analyst for 24 7 sports he actually mentioned that in his like super relatives for the acc as tyreek austin cave as like the one sleeper to keep an eye on manny said that he's like the fastest linebacker they'll have on the roster i don't know if he was just making things up because like avery huff and uh Sam Brooks Brooks are like pretty fast so like if Tyree Gostin caves faster than them then whoa Uh, I think he's one that they expect to compete for playing time kind of relatively early
1: and I think Um, too like if you and I were doing rankings you know we're not really involved in all that but if we were like to me his film looks like a four-star type of film
0: yeah like a 90 outside the top 24-7
1: yeah so I think he is a talented guy. He's probably underrated. Anyone else you would name in, in in that category as a guy, a three-star guy that the coaches are high on.
0: They seem to really like Marcus Clark. I'm just I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of I got to see it before uh, Yeah. right. I mean, I mean to you, me, you, to you me, saw him more at Paradise Camp than I did. Like he has the intangibles and stuff, but when I went to see his game I'm just like uh, he's going to take some, need some time to, to develop and I could be completely wrong but that's just that's my assessment.
1: To me, I mean I think he's going to take a while. I think he's going to be a two year down the road guy. But to me there are some similarities to Nigel Bethel who has you know ended up transferring d- during fall camp this year. Um you know Marcus Clark is primarily a receiver in high school and he's not the most big physical guy to tackle people defensively um i don't know i just think he could end up being he's i just think he's gonna it's gonna be a a big project there's gonna have to be a lot of development with marcus before he sees the field on defense
0: um I guess what is the most, the one signee you're the most excited about?
1: Yeah, um, let me see. I will go with. I mean, I think Chance is going to be a big time player, the four star defensive end out of Oakleaf. I think he's a big time pass rusher. He is. He is an athletic freak. Like he'll be right up there with. You know, Rousseau, Jalen Phillips, in terms of these freaky edge guys they have on their roster, um, he's, you know, like most high school defensive ends, he still has to uh, clean up his technique, but he has a tremendous wingspan, I think he's extremely twitchy, his 40 time that he clocked was, what, a four, five, six yeah. at 200 and what?
0: He was only like 2- two fifteen then.
1: Okay, okay, but yeah, I mean, that would suggest he would run a probably a four six forty at two hundred and forty pounds. So he's definitely an elite athlete. I think he pro like he falls into this category of a guy that's been committed for a long time, and because that's the case, he doesn't get as much pub as the guys who are committing in the final month leading up to signing day but he is a big time signee uh for this miami hurricanes class and then of course you know you got to touch on those running backs like don chaney and jaylen knighton that's the best one 2 punch in a single class that miami signed in a that i can remember off the top of my head so i think both those guys have a I think one of them will emerge as like an early impact guy as a true freshman. But I think by the second year that they're in the program, it's going to be those two guys leading the way with the rushing attack. And that's going to be a lot of fun to watch.
0: Something else I want to bring up, and I know Manny made a point to kind of hammer this home in his press conference just to kind of combat, I guess, all the negative stuff, was the fact that Miami's going to have 13 early enrollees. And I do think that's a big deal, especially when you talk about those two running backs. Um, Maybe DJ Dallas doesn't stay. And like just getting those guys in and and getting some of those guys in David Feely's strength program is going to be huge. I mean, it's hard. Who knows? It's hard to project who's actually going to see the field. But remember last year? Like at spring practice, we're just looking around and you're like, wow, this cornerback line is really short or wow, they have like no scholarship receivers. I, I just think it's going to allow the team to get better in the spring, just having more numbers.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And I think too, like you mentioned Tyreek, Austin Cave, and you know, I think even Corey Flagg, them enrolling early, like I think that linebacker competition is going to be wide open. So the fact that they're enrolling early, I think they're going to be right in the mix. Um, you know, we'll see how they do, but I think they do have legitimate shots at, at you know cracking the two deep and maybe even starting.
0: Um, let's kind of get into the transfer portal. Yeah. Uh, Manny brought that up, and I kind of was texting with you off the podcast saying, you know, the narrative is going to be we're not done, and it, it was quickly brought up, but he he did mentioned the transfer portal on his own. I asked him about it, um, and it sounds like they're 100%, or in the, sorry, in the words of Romello Height, 1,000% going to uh, look for offensive line help, and I'm hearing maybe a quarterback.
1: Yeah, so I know you wrote about it. Tell us about, I guess, tell us about the offensive line names that you think are names that Miami should or maybe even will explore?
0: Well, I'm not going to give them all away, you know. Gotta, sure. Got to keep them behind the paywall. Um, one of them I will bring up is Davari De- uh, Hamilton. Is that, I guess that's how you would say his name. Yes. Okay, Davari Hamilton. He's a guy who has started 10 games over the past two years for Stanford. He's played some right guard, some left guard, some left tackle. So he's a guy who I think you would consider that almost like a swing lineman. You know, he he could play different spots. And he's one that someone kind of mentioned to me. I haven't been able to confirm yet. Like, yes, Miami's 100% engaged in contact. But I know the Hurricane staff has at least watched his film. So they're going to look for guys like that. And he's a guy who can play right away. And I think someone with a little position flexibility is big because – I mean, Miami pretty much returns their entire offensive line right now. So was it a great group? No. Um, Do they need to fix some things? Yes. But having some guy who's not – you're not telling, hey, you are for sure the right tackle and and that kid's expecting to be the right tackle and you can kind of move him around and figure out what you got would be the ideal situation. And something else I didn't get a chance to write, but it'll probably be better for me to just kind of bring this up. You know I wouldn't be surprised if Miami really – kind of tries to zero in on some of these kids that are leaving Stanford. I think Stanford since the end of the season, you know 24/7 sports they, they track the, the transfer portal and all the names going in and out. I think as of uh, a day ago like they had 12 kids in there. and I think if you're a kid leaving Stanford, Miami's kind of an appealing option uh, appealing option just because Miami's also a private school. Um, it's a smaller school with a smaller class size and, and body size, so I think that could work in Miami's advantage if they, uh, if if that makes sense. Like, you're not an SEC school trying to get a kid from Stanford. You're a well-respected academic institution, so it'll be interesting to see if they kind of try to work that work that road and and make make a run on a bunch of guys out of Stanford.
1: Tell me this. I have two questions. So first question. Is it mainly just like offensive line? Is offensive line like the top priority, you would say, in the transfer portal? I think so. Okay. Well, and, then, and then quarterback if there's the right fit?
0: Yeah. And we have talked about this in the past. And I think it says a lot right now that Miami has an ongoing quarterback competition heading into the Independence Bowl. Uh, I think there's still some belief from the, the folks in Coral Gables that one of the kids could transfer. And I think Manny knows that he needs to win. So if you can go get a yeah. guy who can win games, then he's going to go get a guy that, that can win games. Like uh, Based on what he said in, in the press conference about Tyler Van Dyke, you know he really likes Van Dyke and his leadership skills. I just think it would be not wise to put basically your career on starting Van Dyke week one as a freshman
1: would those be the only two positions you're thinking right now or are they going to explore other spots
0: so so i've also heard and i wrote and hear about some other ones um on the defensive side of the ball but i will say and we touched on this in the past as place kicker i think they're going to from my understanding kind of see if bubba baxter can figure this thing out and if not, then they're going to go try to get a grad transfer, um, which means they don't have to get a mid-year like graduate transfer enrollee. Like they could go through all of spring ball and see if Baxa has it figured out. And if he doesn't, then just go get someone to bring him in for the fall. Um, so, I, and and it comes down to the numbers situation: how many how many high schoolers they want to take, how many offensive linemen do they need to take. So, um.
1: Is the ideal profile of a transfer that they would need to go get a graduate transfer, basically? Is it like a K.J. Osborne type who's a mature senior, only has one year left, so he doesn't necessarily clog up the depth chart and upset maybe some of the current guys on the team? Is that kind of what they're looking for?
0: I think so, but Ephraim Banda did say on the record, kind of one of those media scrums that, they're not also opposed to taking talented guys that have to sit a year because then you can develop them and you get more of them than just a one year rental. So, um, yeah, I guess J- Jalen Phillips would be an example of that. Like they really haven't right. done it in one where it's panned out yet, but I think they're kind of open to that. But you also got to realize, man, you're that that's a cap on your 20 that counts to, towards your 25 man hard cap. And that's also one of your 85s.
1: Right. So, okay. Anything else on transfers?
0: No. Was that enough?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So tell me, so now that, do we know like what percent of the country signed on Wednesday of high school prospects of the early signing period? I guess I'm asking, do you have any ideas yet like, who Miami might be looking to target for the February signing day, or is it too soon to say Miami's still kind of assessing where things are?
0: Uh, it is a little too early to say. I know right now the staff's focus is kind of on the Independence Bowl. Um, right. I know, I think it was Wednesday night, they had some meeting to review practice. Like, that's where it was. I thought maybe they were going to meet and, and go over personnel, but... It seems like right now the focus is still on the bowl game. Um, I started putting together a preliminary list. I know others have done the same of just some names that I know Miami's been in contact with. Um, Off the top of my head, Darren Branch, the former striker commit um, out of a might, Louisiana. Um, He did not sign early. Okay. I think he would have signed early, but... Matt Luke was let go in Oxford Lane Kiffin came in so they're definitely gonna fly out to Louisiana the first day They can go back out on the road and see him. He's one Avante Williams uh, the safety out of the land former Miami commit Cousin of Lorenzo Lingard uh, He's a, he's an Under Armour All-American uh, an elite talent by by all accounts He was someone was at Paradise Camp that that looked great Florida seems to have the most traction right now in that recruitment. Uh, I think that they're going to be pretty hard to beat, but he does have a relationship with Miami staff and they're going to try to get him in for an official visit. Um, one other name that some fans have kind of asked me about and who I've, I've been doing some digging on this morning is, do you remember Jamari Stewart, the three-star edge rusher out of uh Port St. Lucie West Centennial. I mean, if you guys oh, follow, yeah. if you guys follow recruiting, uh, w- this is this is pre-podcast. But he was someone who visited multiple times back in the spring, and at one at one point, I thought he was going to commit, but he didn't sign with anyone on Wednesday. Um, so I think Miami could give him a second look. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think a lot of schools could too. I just know Miami's concerned just kind of about his frame, if 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 that makes sense. Like they don't. He's length, Yeah, he's lengthy. I just don't think he has broad enough shoulders. But if they're dead set on taking another edge guy, he would be one to kind of keep an eye on.
1: And then, of course, I guess Darnell Washington, right? The five-star tight end. He's a guy Miami will continue to recruit.
0: Right, except I was hearing a lot of Georgia on Wednesday after in the evening hours, and he sent out a cryptic tweet where some people think he might have signed. OK, uh, so we'll we'll see. I think everyone should know more about that over the over the next few days. And he's going to be at the Under Armour All-America game in Orlando. I'll be there for the network, giving us full live coverage, along with Avante Williams is going to be there as well. So um, I would just keep checking the site there to see kind of what we know and, and what those guys say. Um, Darnell will announce on January 2nd at the game. So Miami's still in it. I think they're a long shot, but I said on the last podcast, I think I felt as if, if Miami was going to pull off some surprise, it would be with, with Darnell and not like Justin flow or, or anything like that.
1: Right. All right. Anything else? Do you want to wrap this up?
0: Uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about the team. I, I was just going to ask you about this. What do you think is going to happen? Um, With the quarterback thing, just based on Manny's comments Wednesday where he said that it's an open competition, everyone, including Tate Martell, is getting reps with the first team. Like, are you buying that? Is there any chance Tate Martell plays or or what?
1: Yeah, so I don't know. My read on this situation, uh, I think we don't see Jaren start. So I think it will be either Nkosi or Tate as the starter. I don't know. I would kind of, I would guess that Nkosi will start the game, and we'll see Tate. Uh, you know, personally, I would like to see Tate start. I would like to see what Tate can do, um, and you know, if if he can make things happen, and maybe he's this type of player that's just a gamer. And doesn't necessarily play well in practice or is consistent in practice, but when the lights are on, he's one of these guys that plays plays well in games. So I would be interested. It's been kind of a roller coaster experience with Tate uh, this season. Just you know whether he's in of the in the lineup or out of the lineup or traveling or not traveling or what position he's at. I think it would be interesting to to see him play against Louisiana Tech and kind of see what he could do i don't know what do you think do you think we who who would you guess again this is emphasis on guess we're not reporting anything but who would you guess starts at quarterback
0: i would say it's probably jaron or tate or i'm sorry jaron or Kosi. i don't think they're gonna give martell a chance
1: okay do you think we see any martell
0: i think the no i think I mean Eno spoke with the media and said like they might try to work him in a package, but they've been right. saying that all season. I think okay. it if I'm them it, it would be absolutely silly not to play him and some of these other youngsters that they they're talking about playing. Like all right, you guys are saying you're going to do it. This is the time to do it, but I mean, we've heard it all throughout the season, so I'm I'm just I'm concerned about the mentality of the team heading into the bowl game.
1: Yes, of course. I mean, this is
0: this is a very difficult spot.
1: Yes, but also we said this going into the Duke game, remember, and they weren't really up for the fight. So yes, I think that continues, you know, going into this bowl game against Louisiana Tech. And look, yes, on paper Miami should beat Louisiana Tech, but they are good enough to score points on this on Miami because they have a Louisiana Tech has a quarterback. And that's going to make them dangerous in this bowl game. Um, And if Miami comes out sleepy on offense and can't get things going on that side of the ball, we've kind of seen that the defense uh, eventually uh, stops playing as well as they have for the first few quarters. So, yes, it is, in my mind, and look, I've told you this too, personally, like, in my mind, this needs to be a game where Blake Baker shows us something. Like, Blake Baker should know everything about Louisiana Tech's personnel. He, I'm sure, has scrimmaged against this quarterback that Louisiana Tech has because Blake Baker was the defensive coordinator at Louisiana Tech prior to coming to Miami. So if Blake Baker can't devise a system or scheme that Gives Louisiana Tech's offense problems, then yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you about Blake Baker if that's the case. So, I'm expecting Miami's defense to be able to, uh, you know, limit Louisiana Tech's attack. Um, but if if that doesn't happen, then there are significant issues that are just beyond the players going on in my mind.
0: No, you bring up a good point about Baker. He should be absolutely familiar with that roster. And it to me, it comes down to who's more motivated to win this game. And has it been – is Louisiana Tech – is that cornerback not going to play for
1: them or what? Do we know yet? I don't know. I haven't seen – if if he's made an announcement, I've missed it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Louisiana Tech does have a corner. He's, he's kind of like a Trajan Bandy size, but he – is thought of as being an NFL guy. Um, So he could not be playing in this bowl game. But yeah, I mean, honestly, you're right. Like, this comes down to uh, the effort of the team, how the quarterback plays, and how the offensive line plays. Like, Duke and FIU don't have, like, tremendous NFL talent either. Um, But those two teams lined up and kind of, Uh, handled Miami, to be honest. Like, it wasn't fluky. Um, So, we're going to find out about what this coaching staff can do in terms of, like, pushing the buttons of this team. Because, you know, in a lot of ways, this is Manny Diaz's Super Bowl. He cannot let Miami lose this game. And Blake Baker needs to show us that, yeah, he can put together a game plan that can really disrupt things for the opposing offense because I don't know Blake Baker should know Louisiana Tech as well as anyone in the country
0: uh so great podcasting here I looked it up uh it's Louisiana Tech cornerback Amick Robertson and he announced on Tuesday that he will not be playing in the bowl game and he's going to go to the NFL I think he's like a day two projected pick so They're going to be shorthanded as well, but um, it'll be interesting, man. Day after Christmas, um, spending the holidays in in Shreveport.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Miami has played in bowl games in Shreveport before, and it didn't go well because of these reasons you're listing. Like, Miami did not want to be there in in their previous times playing there. And, you know, they played better teams than Louisiana Tech there. Like, they played Power 5 teams, but, you know, the effort wasn't there. Miami didn't want to be there, and it showed in the game. So, again, this comes down to culture. It comes down to coaching staff. Can you get your guys ready to play and win this game? And that we'll see if, if Manny Diaz can push those buttons.
0: Well, I think that will kind of wrap this thing up. I mean, let us we're, we're just rambling at this point. Um, I will have a, a list up at some point here on Thursday, probably even by the time you're listening to this on the site, Miami.T47Sports.com, of guys that are still available at the high school level. Uh, I already wrote something for our VIP subscribers on the transfers and, and kind of what they're doing there, so be sure to check that out. David, what do you got kind of cooking here for the next couple of days?
1: Yeah, it's going to be more, you know, kind of wrapping up this early signing period class. Um, And, yeah, we're going to start digging into more what Louisiana Tech's all about. So and then, you know, I know we got that Legends game coming up 2021 recruiting cycle kind of already on deck. Um, So I'm excited to see that, how the next crop inside the state of Florida looks. Um, Yeah. So it'll be I looked,
0: fun. I looked it up. Out of uh, Miami's eighteen signees, five of them played last year in that Legends Classic game, and you know some of our, our competition completely ne- neglected it. So we'll see if they show up this year. Uh, we'll but see. that'll <laughs> we'll do that'll do it, guys. Uh, stay locked to the site. Glad we could kind of hop on, share some thoughts, not go full mo- meltdown mode, and just kind of really really talk through it.
1: Yeah, keep it positive.
0: All right, we'll talk to you guys later.
1: Take care.